Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Well, I have a message that I want to share this morning that I know heaven is smiling about and approving. Uh, the Bible reminds us in Hebrews 12, we're surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. And uh, she's in that number. And uh, we are in a season, a series where we're talking about uncommon gifts. And today I want to talk about uncommon generosity. Uncommon generosity. Uh, it's no secret, and I don't, I don't share this to, to shame anybody or to make anybody feel guilty. And I, if you stick around long enough, if you leave your heart and your mind open, uh, you'll be so liberated uh, and so much in love with the Word of God and, and with God himself. But I don't say this to shame or make anybody feel guilty, but let's face it, most Christians, most Christians don't give. Most Christians don't live generous lives. Most Christians don't even give to the poor, let alone to the local church. 80% of all giving in the church is done by 20% of the attendees. The remaining 20% is given by the next 30%. So 30% plus 20% means that 100% of the giving is given by 50% of the people. The other 50% don't give at all. Another statistic says that 8 out of 100 born-again believers tithe. So the sermon today is not to make you feel bad. The sermon is really not about tithing. It's not about tithing. The sermon is about the New Testament standard and model of giving, which goes beyond tithing, is generosity. The model for the New Testament church was radical generosity. It was sacrificial giving, which goes beyond tithing. And this is a type of generosity and giving that comes from a heart that's been transformed, a heart that's been converted. In fact, in the Old Testament, tithing was the standard. I'm not, I'm not saying that tithing is, is ceased, but radical generosity, not tithing, is the standard in the New Testament. Under the old covenant law, God required a tithe or a tenth of all of the people's crops, a tithe or a tenth of their animals. If you were to give the firstborn of your, of your flock as an offering to the Lord. But when the nation began to drift away from this principle of tithing, the Lord raised up a prophet named Malachi 
to remind the people in Malachi 3 and 8 that you are robbing God of his tithe. And as a result of that, you're robbing him of the joy that he has of blessing you. So today, we're not living under that old covenant. We're not living under that old, uh, that old law. We're living under a new covenant. And Hebrews chapter uh, 9 reminds us that we have a much better covenant today. Their covenant was established by the blood of bulls and goats and other animals. We have a covenant that has been established with our Father through the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, who died once and for all. And so we now, therefore, have the, the invitation of God to present ourselves as living sacrifices. We don't need a dead sacrifice. Present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And so he calls us to live a life of grace, to live a life of generosity, to live like he does. Everybody say uncommon generosity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, Paul writes to the church at Corinth about this uncommon generosity. He says in verse 1, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your faith by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I want to share with you at least five ways that I think we should consider demonstrating uncommon generosity. First of all, do more than you think you can afford. Do more than you are asked to give. You know how it is when we come to a worship service, whether it's Sunday morning service or you're invited out to attend a friend's church, most of us have a predetermined amount. I've got my offering in this pocket and I've got my spending money in this pocket. <laughs> right? we, have, we have already determined what we feel we can afford or what we are going to give. So if you're going to practice uncommon generosity, do more than you think that you can afford. Do more than you have been asked to do. That's what grace does. Jesus came to give us a new covenant, and he, he compared the grace covenant of the New Testament with the old covenant. He said in Matthew 5, in his Beatitudes, he says, You have heard that it was said that if your brother strike you on the, on the one cheek, you can strike him back, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But he says, I say unto you, if he hits you on the one cheek, turn to him and give him the other one also. 
So he's saying, go on, do more, go beyond. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Let me give you an Old Testament example. Because God gave, gave the, uh, the Israelites a glimpse of this uncommon generosity when they had come out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness and they were challenged and, and given an invitation to build a tabernacle, a meeting place with God. And in Exodus 31, 36, I'm sorry, in verse 1, there was these skilled craftsmen named Bezalel and Aholiab. Please don't name your children those, all right? Bezalel and Aholiab. But listen, they were very skilled people to whom the Lord had given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary just as the Lord had commanded. And then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning so that all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord commanded to be done. And then Moses gave an order that they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make an, anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already had, had was more than enough to do all the work. Just lift your hand and say, Lord, <laughs> I want to live in uncommon generosity. I want to do more than what I can afford to do. I want to do more than what I'm asked to do. Here's the second principle. Give even when you're in debt. Thank you for that amen, Sister Linda. That's the only amen I heard it. Give even when you are in debt. Now, in the natural mind, we're, we're rationalizing that that's not... That's not wise, Bishop. That's not even possible. Give even while you're in debt. There are many of us that, that the truth is that we probably got more month than we got more money, right? When it comes to the end of the month, we're thinking about, hey, I got to pay this bill. In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, Jesus went to the temple one day and as he looked up he saw the rich people putting their gifts into the temple treasury but he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins and he said truly I say to you this poor widow has put in more than all the others all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on when you when you are generous even in spite of your debt, your own personal need. Something happens in your spiritual life and, 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 and also something happens to you practically because when we think about practically I can't afford to pay my tithe or to be generous when I'm in debt, the reason that we are in debt is because of the way we think. And so when, when you're practicing generosity even while you're in debt, it's helping to form some discipline on the inside of you. Is forming some spiritual muscles on the inside of you so that you won't continue to be in debt. It's changing your thinking and, and it also changes the spirit around you. Now, if you're in debt, I encourage you, as, as I'm teaching, give even while you're in debt. But also, while you're giving while you're in debt, take some classes so you become a better stewardship steward and get out of debt.
Crown Financial, Dave Ramsey, whatever it might be, talk to one of our, our members of our, on our finance committee team and, and get up out of that thing because God wants you to live at a level of uncommon generosity. So give even while you're in debt. The Lord takes notice of that. Here's the third one. Give large, uncommon gifts. Thank you again for that amen, Linda. Ain't nobody else saying nothing in here. Give large, uncommon gifts. <laughs> My God. I was telling someone uh, not too long ago that I was thinking about getting a newer used car. And he said, oh, are, what are you giving the other one away again now? And I don't say this in a, a braggadocious way, but I took that as a compliment because they said, this man gives away cars. Are you giving away another one now? No, I'm not giving that one away. I got to take that one back. <laughs> that one ain't mine to give. The other one was. Who gives away cars? <laughs> People who live in uncommon generosity. They give large uncommon gifts, uncommon gifts. I know people who, who, who live that way, where they're giving away houses. There's a, there's a former football player that uh, we met years ago through our relationship with Tony Dungy named Warwick Dunn. He's given away over 100 houses to people in the Atlanta area. Who gives away houses? <laughs> I'm trying to get a house. Who gives away houses? Large, uncommon gifts. That, that was the lifestyle of the early church, uncommon generosity. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it begins and says that all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing in here this morning. I know what you're saying. He talking to the Lord talking to the person next to me. He ain't talking to me yet. Bishop ain't got to my point yet. He said he got five points. This is number three. This one ain't for me. They sold property. Don't raise your hand. How many of y'all own property? Some of us own more than one property. You own more than the house that you live in. Uncommon generosity is selling property and giving it to where there is need. You remember in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 people outside of, from outside of Jerusalem, Gentiles, who got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. So now these people have needs, right? There's no hotel, there's no rescue mission, there's no place that they can go and, and have their needs met. They're, they're, they're a new sect of, of, of religion in the midst of Judaism. And so it's the church that steps up with uncommon generosity and says, we're going to take care of these needs. In Acts chapter 4, another demonstration. In verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. As an example, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field 
that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Let me give you another one. I'm going to leave you all alone in just a minute here. Uncommon generosity is demonstrated by giving proportionately and increasingly over and beyond the tithe. The tithe is a tenth. It's one slash ten. If you make $10 a week, the tithe is $1 a week. It's a tenth. If you make $100 a week, the tithe is $10 that you bring to the Lord. I believe that tithing is the beginning place for generosity. <laughs> it's not the ending place. Oh, I'm tithing. I'm good. No, you. if that's all you want from God, that's okay. You can stop there. But it's the beginning place. It's the starting line, not the finish line. But some of us haven't even started. So if you're going to become a, a, an uncommon generous person, you've got to start with proportionate giving and increase it over and beyond. Now for some of you, you might be in that 50% where you're, you're giving zero. Or maybe you're giving $10 a year to your local church, or $100 a year. But you know that's not proportionate to, to the tithe. So you might be at 1%. Well, challenge yourself and trust God, I'm gonna go to 2%, <laughs> right? You might be at nothing. Start, it, start and say, well, I'm gonna at least go to one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something. Here's an example, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Again, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and this was a gifted church. They had tongues and prophecy and miracles and, and, and all types of revelations. And, and you remember Paul said, if you have all those gifts but you don't have love, you're really nothing. But in chapter 16, he talks about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. He says, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Paul is talking about proportionate giving. Based on what your income is, there should be a, at least a tenth set aside. That's the starting point. A sum of money in proportionate with your income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men who approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. How many of you all love the worship here at Park Lawn Assembly of God? How many of y'all love the word? I do too. This is what I believe God's design is for when we come together for worship. That we come together in prayer, we come together in worship, we come together in the word, and then we bring our tithe to the Lord on our way out. <laughs> we, don't have to, we don't have to do it in the middle of the service. If, if, if we practice this proportionate giving and set it aside at the beginning of the week and then brought it when we came to worship, bring it, we don't have to take it. Because <laughs> I know some of y'all have been to churches, locked the doors, ushers, we getting ready to, we getting ready to take up the offering. They're, they getting ready to take it. No, the Lord said, bring it. Amen. Uncommon generosity is having a systematic, proportionate level of giving, starting at 10%, but increasing it 
going beyond 10%. Why? Because of this next point. You can give more by limiting your lifestyle. You can give more by limiting your lifestyle. When I think about Jesus, Philippians chapter 2 tells us, although he was in the form of God, he did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but he emptied himself. He limited himself. He took on the form of a servant. He took on the form of, of human flesh like you and I and became obedient unto death. Why did he do that? Why did he limit it himself? Why did he take off glory and put on humanity? 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 tells us, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, Paul is telling the church in Corinth, I want you to excel at the grace of giving. So when we practice uncommon generosity, we are living a grace-filled life and we're living like Jesus. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He limited himself so that he could give more. There's some of us that maybe you don't need a six-bedroom house. Maybe you need three bedrooms. I'm not telling you. I'm just I'm using that as an illustration, okay? This is not a prophetic word from the Lord. All right? Maybe you don't need ten watches, five cars. But by limiting your lifestyle, you can give more. And please, I'm not trying to shake anybody down at Christmas, all right? The church is not hurting. It's not a message that's, that's, that's trying to motivate you to, to give so we can do something at the church. This is really to help you to live a generous life because I'm telling you, when you give, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men will give unto your bosom. And being uncommon in generosity is about more than money. That's the starting place. If God can, there's, there's two things that God really wants to get control of. He wants to get control of your money and he wants to get control of your mouth. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so powerful. God said, if I can get a hold of your tongue, if I can get a hold of your mouth, and I can get you to pray my will, not your will. Because when you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying according to the Spirit's will and desires. You're praying mysteries. You're praying what God wants to have done. It moves yourself out of the way. And then God said, if I can get a hold of your money, that's the beginning place of demonstrating that I have your heart. Because a lot of people talk about they love the Lord. Let me see your checkbook. I'll tell you how much you love him. I can tell you what, where percentage you are at. It's, it's about much more than money. It's about, it's about love, how you treat people. I'm challenging you not just to be a, a generous with your money, but be generous with your love. Find somebody that, that's hard to love. Somebody that people love to hate. I'm not, telling, I'm not giving no names. You already got some people in your mind right now. Uncommon generosity. It's about hospitality. When you cook that big meal and it's just you and your bae looking at each other across the table, just think about, you know what, we got two more chairs at this table. We could have, could have invited our neighbor, invited the family, invited the kids across the, the alley. It's about 
mercy. It's about giving somebody an opportunity. It's about opening up doors. Come on. God wants us to live in uncommon generosity. And he told the church at Corinth, you have all of these spiritual gifts. And many of us not only have spiritual gifts, but we have material gifts. Those are gifts from God. He says, I don't want you to just gloat in those spiritual things and material stuff. I want you to excel in this grace gift also in the gift of giving. So that's what the Lord is challenging us to do at this holiday season, in the new year, in the new decade, is to take the uncommon gifts that he's given to us. And the Corinthian church, they first of all gave themselves to the Lord. I want you to just, uh, just close your eyes, bow your heads, lift up your hands to the Lord right now as if you are giving yourself to him as a gift. Come on, just lift your hands to him right now. Father, we, uh, we first of all, just want to thank you for giving us the most uncommon gift of all, your son, Jesus Christ. You so love the world that you gave. God, you are the model of generosity. And Jesus, we thank you for your grace demonstration that although you were rich, you became poor. You limited yourself. You gave way beyond more than you could afford and what you were asked to do. Oh God, thank you for giving a large, uncommon gift in yourself so that we who were poor might become rich. So, Father, we lift our hands to you and we know that we belong to you. Our bodies are your temple. And those who have already given their life to Christ, Lord, everything we have belongs to you, God. So we give ourselves away. And, Lord, we just want to live a generous life. Help us, Father, to limit ourselves in such a way that we don't have to live in extravagance. But, God, we really want to do more. We want to give more. God, I know from my heart, from my wife's heart, God, we know that this next decade, that this next year, that you're positioning us in such a place, Father, that we can truly live full and die empty. We can pour out, God. Enlarge our territory. Come on, just ask the Lord to enlarge your territory. Lengthen my cords, God. Strengthen my stakes, oh God. Bless me indeed, oh God. I, I pray Jabez blessings upon each of you right now. The Lord bless you indeed. The Lord enlarge your territory. The Lord keep his hand upon you. Keep you free from pain. God, I thank you that you, you found a people that you can trust. God, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.